Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey, everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, New Hampshire is in the books, and we're down to two. Well, maybe really one, but I'll get into that. We take a look on what might be the worst primary campaign I've seen in decades, and where do both sides go from here? Alex, where do you want to get started? So, first of all, by my count, and this was really just looking at Dropbox, this is our 200th episode, Joe. I really struggled in the 10 minutes before the show that I realized this about what to get you. And I think the best present is that Ron DeSantis is no longer running for president. How could it be 200? Is it really 200? Wow. Yeah. That's scary. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So, well, and, and I'm sure we'll have some, some special guests coming up to kind of look back at everything we've done and everything we've talked about. But but people don't want to hear that. People want to hear what's going on in New Hampshire. So, Joe, you mentioned it. It's in the books. Uh, oh, by the way, you, your Twitter was an excellent follow on election night. Uh, you were making predictions at like 5 o'clock, 5.30 when exits were coming in, which we can get into. I mean, you called it like pretty much exactly. And you've been calling it for like months, uh, years, uh, probably at least like 100 of our episodes by now. Maybe maybe not 100 but but close to it like what 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 happened i didn't quite uh, you know look i, I thought that uh, i thought for a while for a long time that if haley could take could take second in iowa that she'd uh, get a real big boost and actually defeat trump in uh, in new hampshire i always thought she was going to perform well there and, and you know and keep it close but i actually thought uh, that she had a shot at winning it but man the last two or three weeks in iowa were just horrible for her He's squeaking in, you know, close third doesn't count. And and I'm not sure, certainly her performance in New Hampshire, you know, was stronger. I was closer than most people. <laughs> Everybody else had her being creamed by 20 or 30 points. And, you know, and we're laughing when I said Trump was weaker than he thought, people thought. But he is weaker. I've been saying it and saying it over and over. Trump is weaker than everybody thinks. And I think people are starting to wake up to that. I mean, you had... You know, my view is these early primaries, everybody else looks at them for, you know, winnowing the field. And that's important. They really do do that. But the thing that they always have done that I've always looked for is how what what are the weaknesses that they're exposing in the front runner? And, you know, in Iowa, you saw uh, Haley beat him in Johnson County. He had real trouble in the cities uh, and suburbs in Iowa. And these are with Republican city and suburban voters. In a very low turnout, and, too. Yeah, yeah, a very low turnout, half of what it was last time. They'll blame it on the weather. But it wasn't, you didn't, you didn't see, you know, he couldn't get much over 40 in a lot of those urban and suburban counties. And then you go to, to New Hampshire, where the most important thing there is to is how's a front runner doing with independence? You know, it's one thing if MAGA can deliver you 55% or 50% of the state of, of Iowa, 
but there's the other 49% in Iowa, and there's this in, in the bulk of the others in New Hampshire are independents, and she creamed him. And now it wasn't just the margin with that she beat him with independents in New Hampshire, but with moderate Republicans, she she you know wiped him out. I think two to one. And what was striking was Nikki Haley's actually grew, uh, and uh, at least in the exit post polls showed that she was winning twenty nine percent of self described conservatives in in New Hampshire. Now that keeps up if that growth among conservatives continues to happen. We'll see. That means, you know, potentially people could be underestimating her in South Carolina. I mean, she could be, you know, can she get higher that? We'll see. But look, the results are in. I thought something that John Harwood posted, I think where I, I, I said that, that I thought it was the most prescient tweet of the year. And, you know, he, he basically had said that, you know, quote, we're in early stages of a massive analytical shift from Biden in big trouble to Trump's in big trouble. And I, you know, I've really been saying this for a while, that Trump is weaker than people think. They get, The press kept focusing on, you know, Biden's age or whatever, you know, the economy, which just none of that I thought would, would matter as, as we get uh, deeper into this year. But the things that are, that do matter is Trump's weakness among moderates among uh, suburban women among these independent voters these are all voters that he needs he can't lose any of them he's already stuck at 46 percent that's what he got in 2016 2020 these numbers uh you know suggest to me that, and we've been saying this on this uh, you know pod that that ceiling that that low ceiling that he has is it's showing signs that it's weakening and get, and, and lowering and I think Haley has exposed that, particularly in these New Hampshire numbers. Support for that trippy show comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is the only software your business will ever need. Featuring a suite of integrated business applications, Odoo connects your business operations together so you get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, marketing manufacturing, you name it, Odoo's got it. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash trippy. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash trippy. I mean, I think that the quote from, from Harwood, I think he quoted John Lemire, who was digging really into, into this data. I mean, I think he said, Trump has a problem no matter what happens in New Hampshire there's a whole swath of the Republican electorate and a good chunk of independents who appear firmly committed to not voting for him in November if he becomes a nominee, which which gets to yeah. your point. I mean, those are those are some some stark numbers. Yeah, well, they, it was huge. I mean, huge numbers of Haley supporters in New Hampshire. And again, these are, you know, th th these are independents, but they're they're GOP leaning. They voted in the GOP primary. Yeah, some of them, a small number might might be might have been some Democrats in there, but the reality is it was it was some you know a, a lion's share of her vote a big chunk of it said we're not going to vote for trump if he's the nominee 94% of her vote said they'd be disappointed if trump was the nominee and then you know smaller share said they wouldn't vote vote for him but when you're hitting 94% and she's getting 45% of the primary that's a lot 
of Republicans, a lot of independents, and he needs every one of them. And it, even back in Iowa, it was 20 percent. Uh, it might have been 18, but it was close to 20 percent that said they would not vote for Trump if he's the nominee. So, you know, if, by the way, if any of this was happening to Biden, and we have that number, by the way, in New Hampshire, yes, all those people who voted in the Democratic primary, this doesn't exist and didn't happen because uh, it you know, party rules and all that stuff. But, you know, 74, 75 percent of the electorate came out, Democratic side came out and wrote in Biden's name. And what's but what's really fascinating is when they ask the same question, you know, to the uh, Phillips and Dean Phillips, you know, it, it, those that didn't vote for him, would you, you know, what if, if Biden's the nominee, would, you know, would you vote for him or, or not? And, you know, 10 percent said they wouldn't vote for him. So you look at Nikki Haley getting 45 percent of the vote. And something like and 94 percent saying they'd be disappointed if Trump's the nominee. You go over the other side. Biden gets 75 percent of the vote. The opponents, Phillips, et cetera, get get uh, and Williamson get uh, 20, 20 ish, 22. Yeah. yeah, something like and that. And 10 percent of them won't go for uh, for for Biden. Now, Biden, we, we want all those people to come home. I got it. You know, that's not I'm not laughing at the 10 percent number, but it's not it, it's not what's happening on the right. other side. I mean, the the thing about a write-in campaign, and Joe, I know you've done them. I mean, I, I think Lisa Murkowski won one pretty famously in Alaska. I mean, it is not easy. And if you're Dean Phillips right now, having just gotten your ass absolutely handed to you by the guy that everyone thought New Hampshire hated with his approval rating in the toilet, who they had to write in his name, and the race was called, the quote-unquote race was called in like 10 minutes, like... That should tell you something about where Joe Biden is. I mean, that is a. I mean, you know how hard write-ins are. Yeah, but they are. They're they're tough. But look, I mean, you, you look at the other side. Dean Phillips, twenty-four percent or twenty-two, whatever it was. Uh, you know, I know it's rolling around twenty of the New Hampshire electorate. You know, on the Democratic side, came out and and voted for him. You know, over you know as a protest or whatever with, against Biden. But when you look at that, and it was against, like you said, this, you know, bunch of other people actually had to get there, write the name in, do all that stuff. And they're probably still counting them because they have to yeah. hand count and like, you know, look at you make sure the guy spelled the name right and all that good stuff. But my point is that 10 percent said, no, it's not a protest. I won't vote for him if he's a, if he's, you know, if he's the Democratic nominee. That's still. Like I said, a much it's a problem. We got to deal with it, but it's not the problem that that Trump has with a large share, a much larger share of the of his own Republican Party. It saw in Iowa, and what you're seeing, particularly among independents, because what happened there was independents. Um, I think again, it says more about what were what do they fear? What are they trying to stop? And it seemed to me, if you look at it, the independents did not flood in to the Democratic side to try to stop Joe Biden. If that were the case, it would have been Dean Phillips that was sitting at, at 45, 46 percent. Um, and there'd be a whole lot of people saying, and I'm not voting for Biden if he's the nominee. No, folks, that happened on the other side. Those independents flooded the Republican primary. Why? Because they, yeah, I don't, lots of them, some of them voted for Haley. A lot of them voted against Trump. And what are they saying? 
if Trump's the nominee of the Republican Party, they're not voting for him. That should scare the living daylights out of the Trump campaign. But there's a couple other numbers that should scare Trump and the, and, and the GOP. Uh, you, you know, when you look at the exit poll, the CNN exit poll, at least, they talked on the on air about 67 percent of the, the, the turnout in the Republican side oppose, 67 percent oppose a federal ban on abortion. And only half want, you know, support mass deportation over giving a path to citizenship. I mean, so half the party is opposed to, you know, Trump's, you know, we're going to deport the world on day one. And 67 of them percent oppose the federal bans and the and sort of the extremism. And, and I suspect what the court did to overturn Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision, of course, Donald Trump appointing the judges that did that. So you're looking at, I think, a shrinking ceiling. It's going lower. And at the same time, I think that you get to this point where we're starting to see the anchors, the weight around Joe Biden, particularly on the economy. And I've been saying, we've been saying this on the pod for, God, six months, that when you come out of a big downturn like we're coming out of, um, and the economy and particularly consumer sentiment starts to leap, it takes People don't feel that even though they are, their bills are shrinking and their wages are catching up, they don't feel that that, that panic, that fear of, of, a, of an economy, particularly while people are, protect, are projecting, you know, recession and, and, you know, and talking about that incessantly on television. It takes three to six months for that weight to get lifted. And I think we're starting to see that. We're starting to see. Well, I mean, you saw it in the results, like, right? Yeah. Yeah, you saw it in New Hampshire. I mean, and I think Greg Sargent tweeted is basically pointing out, "quote It's starting to seem like a deep sickness because Joe Biden's hitting seventy plus percent as a write-in, and it's still why is Joe Biden weak? Right? Trump barely won, and the media says he's strong. I mean, before and before I know, I know you wanted to get to the Maris poll, but the other one I thought was really interesting was just for context." Barack Obama, 2012. I don't believe there were any questions about him being the nominee in 2012, unless I'm crazy wrong. Uh, he did not win as many votes unopposed on the ballot in 2012 as Joe Biden got as a write-in in 2024. Yeah. No, no, that's what he, it, it, Biden is stronger than people think. Trump is weaker than people think, than the pundits and the talking heads think. I mean, look, at, let's deal with reality here. The man got 50% of Iowa. He owns this party. Everybody knows he's going to be the nominee. That's what everybody's been told from the get-go, that no one can touch him. That yet 49% of Iowans went to the caucuses and supported somebody else. Let's go to, now you go to New Hampshire, same thing. 55%, he gets 55. This isn't a, a, a giant this isn't somebody who's like, you know, just roaming the countryside and people are are flocking to him the way the press treats it. And then even look at South Carolina. This should give somebody some pause if they're on the air yapping about this stuff. The last poll had Trump at, at 53 in uh, South Carolina. 
So again, let's look at it. He was at 51 in the lot around 50, you know, low 50s in Iowa. What's he get? 51. Where was he in New Hampshire in the last polls? Right around 54, 50, I think, was was where he was. I think it was 53, Man, something like that. That's where he ended up. That's where yep. he ends up. And now he's at 53 in South Carolina against the former governor, Nikki Haley, and his UN ambassador that he appointed. I'm not saying that, I'll put it this way, there's no freaking way he's going to beat her like, you know, 60, 30. And this act, that's not going to happen. That that other forty seven percent of South Carolinians, whether they were voting for her uh, in that poll, DeSantis and the others, because these polls were all taken, the last ones were taken before uh, some of this. She's growing now. Can she grow? I mean, the, the interesting that gets back to what I said about conservatives. She grew from Iowa to New Hampshire. That per, even without the big jump, you know, the big, you know. Uh, rocket launch out of a, that a second place finish would have given her into New Hampshire. She grew among conservatives to 29% uh, in New Hampshire. If that growth continues, let's say she grows to 35, you know, 40% among conservatives, he's beating her 60, 40. That race is going to be much, much closer there. Can she beat him there? I don't, that's a tall order. It is South Carolina. It's a very, very tough state. And, and the, the Trump uh, folks have awakened uh, and will be, you know, the, the, it will be the ugliest nuclear ads on, uh, you know, on earth that we've seen, even, even for South Carolina, which is, well, got we'll, a reputation we'll come back to what, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll, we'll come back to the, the Trump Haley in a minute. I mean, the only other thing, and if you look at, I think, Joe, we were talking about this pre-show, the, the Marist poll of yeah. New Hampshire that came back right before election day. So by, this this just I don't understand, and I want you to explain it to me. So the same poll that has Biden's approval rating at thirty eight has him beating Trump fifty two forty five. Right. That's so what I mean like, about what. You, yeah, you don't. That's what I mean. The, the, it, it's the head to head contest in these polls. You know, okay, look at them, grain of salt. What you're looking for when you're looking under the head is what doesn't add up or what is it telling you about what you all we already know. So what we already know is that in 2022, with Biden's approval in, you know, trashed, with gas prices, you know, soaring, with inflation just bubbling, you know, out of control, that the the economic numbers and his approval rating, if the approval rating had anything to do with the outcome, should have wrecked uh, the Democratic Party, and the Republicans could have should have ro rode a big red red wave on their surfboards, destroying you know sweeping Senate races, House races, uh, etc. Et well, that didn't happen. So now we're looking at polling, and we've been saying the same thing. That you know, if his we're in a much better situation economically than we were in 2022, even if you don't buy the consumer sentiment and the market going to record highs and all that stuff, uh, even that somehow just you know shrug your shoulders at it. We're in a much better economic footing than we were. Gas prices are lower, so all these things are 
you know, so then when you see that head to head number 5245, what it's saying uh, with Biden ahead by seven points, what what you're seeing is, hey, is is this starting to look a lot like what the press was wrong about in 2022? Because they're always looking, just look at his approval rating. He's going to get cream. Guess what? His approval rating, had, I, I'm pretty sure that there has not been, I don't think we'll ever have, it's going to be interesting to see whether we ever have a, any president from either party that ever gets to above 50 on their approval rating when we're so polarized oh, anyway. I might, I might take 40, I might take the money on 45. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just, so anyway, I just think you're seeing this over, and by the way, when you start seeing this, the other thing is when you start looking under, under the hood and you uh, be on the head to head and you start seeing the same kind of thing over and over again, you can start to count on the fact on the fact that his low approval really doesn't have a whole lot to, to do with the outcome on the head head. I mean, you have uh, Trump's approval ratings aren't that great, but also I again I keep saying this: what we do know and what we've seen repeatedly is when Trump and MAGA, the contrast between Biden and 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 the uh, Democrats and Trump and MAGA. That contrast when people get, you know, you, you get in the into that frame, it always has benefited uh, Biden and always has hurt Trump and the Republicans. It's why they had a bad 2020, bad 2022. And I think we'll have a bad, even a, a, a bigger defeat in 2024 if these trends continue. Joe, let's say for a second you, you throw out all the polls and I want to get back to Nikki Haley now. You can almost take a look at how where Trump sees he is on the campaign from like what he's actually doing and saying. I don't think the media tends to pay a ton of attention to like take him in his word on things, but like the way he's acting, he's weaker than he seems. Right? I mean, or he's acting like he knows he's weak, right? Yeah, I mean, look, he knows, and, and by the way, his people, he has much smarter, much stronger campaign folks or operatives around him uh, this time. There's no way they don't understand what these results, uh, particularly among moderates, particularly among independents, and what uh, what they saw in in Johnson County and uh, in the Des Moines uh, in Des Moines suburbs area uh, of his weaknesses. They understand that, and I look the the other side of that is they probably understand it from a real reality mode. Trump, you got to wonder. I mean, first of all. I'm not sure his, even though he has better operatives, I'm not sure how safe they are right now because, yeah, they may understand that 10 points and, you know, and be, be a, a 10 point win, 11 point win and breathing a sigh of relief. Trump, 10 points when you're an authoritarian wannabe dictator is had to had like a shock. And they, by the way, they never blame themselves. So, I, you know, I think when he, you see him screaming that she's an imposter, that, you know, I don't get too angry. I just get even. He's sounding, you know, it's it's clearly just lashing out, you know, as she would, as Nikki Haley would call it, you know, temper tantrum. But, you know, you know, now he's saying that uh, anybody who donates to Birdbrain, his new nickname for her, will be no longer welcome in MAGA and I guess be, you know, put on the list. Well, here's I want to read the I want to read the whole post. Bear with me if you're listening to this because it's it it's kind of wild. Because remember, Joe, I seem to recall you saying that anyone who comes close to beating Trump in the primary, 
he ain't gonna go play you know hug them on stage right. and do a kumbaya moment right nikki birdbrain haley is very bad for the republican party and indeed our country I knew Nikki well. She was average at best. She was not one to take on world leaders, and she never did. This was up to me and why they respected the United States. And this is the interesting part. When I ran for office and won, I noticed that the losing candidate's donors would immediately come to me and want to help out. This is standard in politics, but no longer with me. Anyone that makes a quote-unquote contribution to bird brain from this moment forth will be permanently barred from the MAGA camp. We don't want them and we will not accept them because we put America first and always will. Yeah. It's a hell of a thing for a candidate to say. It, it's it's a weird thing to say. It's not it's not surprising, but it's just weird. You, you saw Tim Scott kind of uh, telegraph this, uh, I think, accidentally when he, when he said that they – after. The New Hampshire results, they were really looking, had been looking forward to the big money, you know, coming off of Haley and, and coming uh, to Trump, but that it had, it wasn't happening uh, so that they he really hoped it would happen. And so then the next day, Trump says this. So it's clear. Yeah, it, it's clear. Guess what? The big money's not not leaping. And so this is, hey, again, blackmail <laughs> against threats. You know, if you don't give it to me now, don't don't worry. There's no way back. You'll never be able to come, you know, to come back. I, by the way, I'm not sure that works because, OK, it means to, if I'm somebody who's given a lot of money to Nikki Haley, it's like I only have one way out. Right. Keep giving her money. And so yeah, I think as people might have been backing away from her, they may have unwittingly or Trump may have unwittingly kind of, you know, encouraged people to hang in there for. We'll see. But look, yeah, it's desperate. I mean, look, I, as I was saying, you know, you've got to look at it's not just me uh, who's talking about the, you know, his disenchantment, 10 percent. You know, Tom Nichols, Radio Free Tom on Twitter, it, you know, said an authoritarian does not like to win by 10 points. And his first targets in power will not be people on the left or in the center, but the people he thinks are betrayers in his own organization, the people desperately and sweatingly try to swear oath to him right now is what they're all doing. So this is like, uh, it really is, uh, it, by the way, all this activity, all this action, um, all this tantrum, um, the name calling, bird brain, all of that is why these moderates and suburban women and independents that he needs have moved away Embrace Nikki and Haley, back. Yeah. and they and and are saying they're not coming back, and so he keeps doubling down on it, which is the one thing we all know he will do. And so you know, it 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 just compounds. Yes, what we know today is that the MAGA, you know, cult base of the Republican Party can give him a fifty point to forty nine point win in Iowa. With 49 saying, uh-uh, we can, it gets him 55-45. You can get to 55 in a Republican primary in New Hampshire. And he said it can keep him sitting around 53 in South Carolina. By, by the way, all those are numbers around 50 or above, which means it's big enough and strong enough to get him the nomination so he keeps playing to it. The problem with that is that every day this goes on, he is up there on a limb with a saw, cutting the branch away that holds independence, that has any chance to reach moderates. And 
suburban women. This is all too with Dobbs and other issues that are going to come to the fore when you again look at the uh, New Hampshire numbers with 67% participating in that in that primary said uh, that they oppose a ban on abortion. It's pretty, right. you know, it's all all bad news for Trump. So one more number, and then I want to get to one listener question while we still have time. And it, there, there are a couple of good ones we'll get to in the next couple of weeks. So keep writing them in. But there's, there's one other number. It was from a UMass YouGov poll from I think again like the day before election day in in New Hampshire, and they asked whether you'd support or oppose quote full pardons for any Americans arrested for their participation in the riot at the Capitol on January 6th. So do you pardon the January 6th idiots? Haley. Among the people that opposed the pardons was winning 55-29. With the people that supported the pardons, Trump was winning 65-18. Both of those numbers make sense. Here's the one that, did, that, that I think is another huge red flag for Trump. 58% of the GOP primary voters supported the pardons, which means that 42% didn't. So there, if you yeah. if you start looking under those numbers, that is very very bad news for Donald. So this Trump. is exactly what I'm talking about. When you get look under the hood, do not look at the head to heads, but what's going on. And that's I mean the MAGA base in you know it, it, it is capable because look even that number 58 percent of the GOP electorate in New Hampshire support the, you know pardon everybody right. So my point is that base he keeps. Locking it in, doubling down, energizing it, and at the same time, that other forty-two percent who, you know, would not support pardons, and a bunch of other, you know, the the sixty-seven percent who who don't support a ban on abortion, and you know, national ban on abortion, which is going to make him put him in a tough place sooner or later here, and these other numbers, uh, they have a hell of a lot more impact, I think, or or tell, telling a lot more about what the future in the general election may look like than either of their approval numbers. In other words, it, not just Biden's approval doesn't count. I don't think, you know, there's a ton of people who will, you know, who probably, you know, uh, would, if you on a zero to 100 scale would rank Trump as a zero on, on a, in their approval rating. Um, so you can get, you know, more intensity, you know, you can get your your base to to you know rate you a hundred right, but if you're doing it and you're pushing everybody else towards zero, which seems to be happening here because of the extremes on the positions, and I think we're going to see this more with other things that'll go on. Again, you know, we're not even looking yet about you know do they do they you know we're on some of these other issues that are going to be become really really hot. Uh, you know, we'll see, but nothing, there's nothing, there are no good numbers that came out of New Hampshire. I mean, some of it was shocking stuff in terms of, right. of uh, how, how, how strongly people, I mean, when 94% of his, of her supporters in, in Iowa, 94 say they'd be disappointed if Trump were the nominee. They, they, look, if she was like, that's what I'm saying, this is weird. If she was you know, Dean Phillips and got, you know, 18% of the, of the GOP primary and 94% of her 18 said, I'm not going to vote for Trump. That would be a big freaking problem. 
right? We'd right. all be, right? It, it's not. It's 45% of that primary vote, 94% of them said, I'll be disappointed if Trump's the nominee. And then you look again with these things you're talking about under the hood on pardons, on, you know, the abortion ban, on, um, it, you know, the, the uh, on, uh, even on the, uh, the the mass deportation, when you've got 45, 47% saying, no, I'm, I don't want that. I want a path to citizenship. I mean, this is a Republican party that's choosing to provide a path to citizenship over his, you know, yeah, he, it, granted it was 50 something percent, 51 or something percent that would say, yeah, let's, let's deport them all. Um, I'm just saying he can't live with only 50% of the party. He needs that 49 that don't agree with him, uh, even on immigration, even though they, they think it's a, a very important issue. So Joe, before we go, I this because this may be the last time we talk about him for a while. We got a great listener question. Uh, a couple of them were asking about this actually, but I want to shout out Carla from New Hampshire because the timing obviously this week. Ron DeSantis is gone. Rank his campaign among the worst train wrecks in presidential campaign history. He's got to be near the top, right? Yeah, I mean it's not fair to John Glenn, but his campaign, the Ron DeSantis campaign, reminds me. A lot of the John Glenn campaign in uh, in 1984, which I would have until now said was probably one of the worst um, primary campaigns in either party. It's not even a close call. I mean, it, that, even that one, I, I, you know, Ron DeSantis leaves in the dust for how horribly run this campaign was, all the mistakes that they made. Uh, gosh, I think back in July, I tweeted that uh, he was dead man walking. And you could stick a fork in him because he was done. And, you know, it is his folks all came out and, you know, and, and, and trashed me and said I was crazy, um, which, by the way, there are a lot of people who think that, that some, I wasn't worried about it. But um, a lot of people thought when I said Nikki Haley might give him a fight in New Hampshire, thought I was crazy. But their experiment on having a super PAC actually take over the campaign, you know, usual campaign stuff and basically have all control over it with consultants that were going to like, hey, this is great. I can spend a lot of money and make a lot of money and uh, and I don't have to, to a deal puzzle. With, and I the don't puzzle was hilarious. Yeah, and I don't have to deal with the I don't have to deal with the can. I mean, the, the one dirty secret, folks, let me tell you something. If you're a consultant out there, a media consultant, and you could do the candidate or you could do a super PAC. The reason they all click their heels and can't believe they've been they've been lucky to get the super PAC is because they don't have a candidate. They don't have to list. They they can't coordinate. The candidate cannot call them and yell at them. That's illegal. So they know they can make any do anything they want, and they don't have to report to a candidate. Which on the other side, you go in there and you say to your candidate, Howard, I don't think you should do this, or this is the spot I want. I want to run and he go and, and your 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 candidate says, no, I'm not going to say that or I'm not going to do that. Or they go out and say something crazy. Um, you have to deal with it. The super PAC doesn't have to. So that was massively stupid. How they squandered. No one squandered that much money ever. <laughs> to, I mean, for such a ridiculous result, John Glenn went through a lot of money, but not three hundred million dollars, three hundred million dollars. No, it was. Uh, it was just insane. And, uh, and, and I think also to, to believe 
you could just be a, a mini me Trump and that, that, that voters would reject, uh, would, would embrace you over, over the real thing uh, was a massive, you know, error. Although maybe, I don't know if he would have gotten anywhere anyway, but no, I, it's not a close call. The worst, we're going to give out the award today, the worst primary campaign in the history of American politics in the modern era, because I can't get into what, you know, John Adams and those guys did. I don't know. But um, is Ron DeSantis. That campaign was just freaking awesome. Awesomely, awesomely awful. We I'll include this in our show notes this week. There's a great Mark Caputo story in The Messenger. It's called The Inside Story of How Ron DeSantis Got yeah. Crushed. And anytime I'm sad, I just read a couple paragraphs from it because yeah, it's, it's great. It's a great read. And he hits it out of the park on explaining exactly how stupid this thing was from the get-go, from the start, from day one. It was the dumbest campaign. And by, by the way, you know, campaigns do rot from the head. And you got you, you, you can have all that money, but if you have a candidate who just cannot connect to save his life, a lot of this, and by the way, he made these decisions. He said, yeah, let's go do that super PAC. Oh, yeah, let Rojo do it. You know, all that stuff. Uh, no, it all it all starts and ends with him. It was just awful. And, uh, and, and his campaign was as bad as he was. Joe, that is a really uplifting place to end today. <laughs> oh, God, I can't believe it's been 200 episodes. Thanks, everyone, for listening to that trippy show and carrying us this far. Uh, we're going to continue to do this through the year and every Tuesday and Wednesday. Well, I think Tuesday we're going to drop a special, uh, not every Tuesday. But yeah, I'm this excited Tuesday, about that one. This Tuesday, this we'll, coming Tuesday. Yeah, we'll, we'll be dropping a special uh, episode with special guest. Helm Alberta will be the guest talking about uh, evangelical radic radicalization and their impact of uh, changing the GOP and, and Trump's and, and Trump's One way of the over smarter them. conversations I think we've had yeah. in a while. Yeah. This was really good. Yeah, it's really good. I hope people give it a listen. But again, look, uh, uh, you've sustained us through 200 episodes. Unbelievable. Uh, please tell your friends to subscribe to That Trippy Show uh, and, you know, leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to thattrippyshow at gmail.com or leave us a question in the review on iTunes. We'll see, see you Tuesday with a special episode, and then we'll see you next Friday. Be safe. Take care.